Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Friends, if we say we are without sin, we're not fooling anybody. We're not fooling God. We're not fooling ourselves. We're not fooling one another. So let's now go to God, confessing our sins. Let us pray. God, sometimes we try to abide in your love. Sometimes we try to live by your commandments, but so often we don't. We choose to hate. We choose to judge others before we practice empathy. We choose to criticize before we ask any questions. We choose to be greedy rather than to be generous. Meet us in our sin, God. Wash us clean to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. And God, hear us now as we pray silently. Georgia and Jared present their son, Woods Henry, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today we proclaim boldly that Woods is a recipient of the covenant of grace. In baptism, God brings him into the family of faith and makes him a member of Christ and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We are encouraged because in no stage of life are we ever truly separated from Jesus Christ, nor from the bonds that we have with one another. Woods, something's in his nose. <laughs> Woods, may you always remember that you are never alone. Your parents, your church family, and Christ are always with you. 
Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of this church and are joined in Christ's ministry of love, of peace, and of justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. So some questions to the parents. Georgia and Jared, having heard these words, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We do. Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach that faith to your child? And to the congregation, both outside and inside, both visitors, first time, long time, doesn't matter. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Woods? Through words and actions, with love and prayer, will you encourage Woods to know and follow Christ? Will you empower Woods to be faithful members of this church? If so, say, we will. We will. Let us pray. God, we know that life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Christ, is to die alongside him. But to follow Christ is also to be resurrected with him. When the world seems hard to Woods, when the church, when his parents, when his family and friends mess up, we give thanks that you, God, do not. We give thanks that your presence will not leave him, nor will it ever leave us. We thank you for this water of baptism. Let it seal your child and welcome him into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. What is the Christian name of this child? Woods Henry. Woods Henry. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, uphold Woods by your Spirit. Grant him the spirit of creativity as he faces the issue of this world spirit of love to all the neighbors and strangers that he will encounter, spirit of goodness in all that he will do, and the spirit of joy, knowing that he is your image bearer, called to shed his uniquely beautiful light onto this world. Alleluia. Amen. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know them very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all of the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. And baptism, which is prefigured, now serves you, not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Woods. Gracious God, thank you for Woods Henry Altis. He has brought so much joy to Georgia and Jared and the entire family. We thank you, God, for your love and mercy. God is to help Woods find his spiritual path and always seek you and your guidance in all areas of his life. God, give us wisdom and patience to raise Woods to pray and seek you. Thank you for the blessing of Woods Henry Altus. Amen. Friends, this is the greatest news. Woods has been received into the one holy Catholic church through baptism. God has made him a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. So I encourage you after the service to come greet your newest sibling in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to John, reading chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. Listen now for God's word to you. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Signed, Jesus. I want you to take the next 30 seconds and think about three brands that best represent you. Could be anything. Three brands. Drip Coffee, The Bump, which is an app for all things pregnancy, and Downtown Church. Those would be my three. Those are the three that I would rep, I would wear the t-shirt, I'd put the decal on my car, no questions asked. And I say those three because they align pretty closely with my values. You know, they make sense to me. And quite frankly, I just don't really want to live without coffee. If we were to ask Michael Jordan, though, what his brands would be, he would say what? Nike, right? But not necessarily because he agrees with the company's philosophy or their values. It's because they have endorsed him. 
right? He gets paid to wear Nike, to publicly represent them because they know that when he puts Nike on, all of us watching believe that it is the very best shoe to play in or to walk in or just to be in. Endorsements are public, right? But they are subtle. They lead to all sorts of sneaky assumptions. Like, if we were to ask God what God's favorite brand is, God probably wouldn't say suffering. And yet, yet it's an assumption that many of us can make when we say things like, suffering is a trial that brings us closer to God. But I don't know that God has put his stamp of approval on suffering. I don't believe that God wants us to suffer. So we've gotta untangle our theology and it gets tricky really fast, let me tell you, because when I say God doesn't endorse our suffering, then, then somebody's gonna say, well, does that mean that God is absent when we're suffering? A friend of mine was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer recently. From one day to another, her life completely changed. It took her career off track and onto disability. It canceled her plans to the beach and to her nephew's graduation and to that concert with friends and everything got put on hold while she sat with tubes pumping poison into her body praying that it works. Praying that it will kill the evil cells multiplying inside her. I've got another friend who rises every morning at 3 a.m. praying. And he expects God to give him a word of hope, a word that is encouraging as he fights for his life and as the courts decide if he deserves one. A court who will decide whether or not he lives or he dies. He's much like Jesus in that way. He hangs on the verdict of someone else's lips, someone else's justice. And I've got another friend who, who gives every ounce of energy that she has to her child to care for his every need. And, and while the world glorifies her and calls her a saint, she knows that the only safe place she has to tell the truth is behind a closed door with her therapist. Where she can say the words of her son's diagnosis without having to put on a brave smile like nothing is wrong. She can let her tears flow. She can let her, her face contort in painful positions because it is painful what she is doing. It's painful to give care to someone that you love when their progress is not linear and it is not trending in the right direction. She says it feels like her energy it's pushing a rock up this steep hill and, and it's just a matter of time because, before she is crushed by it. 
You may hear these stories of my friends and think, yeah, those are the times when God must have felt absent. You might think that because I thought that too. Why would God let us experience suffering? I mean, if God is close by, if God is present, wouldn't God want to change our circumstance? Wouldn't God want to protect life and preserve life and cultivate life? And yet in each circumstance, my friends, they've pointed me to this profound presence of God. In each circumstance, they've assured me that they are not alone. In each circumstance, my friends have taught me about God's presence in suffering. It's not an either-or situation, turns out. Suffering just is. It exists. In fact, it's like suffering is a continuum and we find ourselves on the continuum one day to another. Sometimes we might be suffering so much it is hard to breathe. And, and on the other hand, we might have days that feel carefree. And on that continuum, God is present everywhere. Just as our experience of life feels different day to day, depending on where we find ourselves on that continuum, our experience of God's presence in our life, it can feel different to us. I think about my friends when I read John's words. Jesus' words telling us to abide in his love. I think about them because Jesus' life circumstances, they weren't that great in this part of the story. He is at a table and the seat is still warm of the friend who has betrayed him. And as he's looking into the eyes of his friends and disciples, he's hearing murmurs of his murder just outside the door. And he knows, y'all, he knows what he is asking of them might be too much for them to bear. You know, when they know the full of it, when they see him hanging on the cross, when they walk the road that they have to walk ahead of them, it will be harder than they could have ever imagined to abide in his love. It'll be harder than they ever could imagine to keep this commandment, which seems so simple, love one another. It might be why Jesus repeats himself so much. Did y'all notice this in scripture? He must tell us a million times to love one another, love God, love each other. Just in the scripture I read you today is only four verses. He said love eight times. And the obvious reason is that we're selfish by nature. We need that constant reminder. It's hard to love. In fact, I'm not sure I fully understand what God means when God says love God, love one another. I had to look up that word abide again. I don't use it on the daily. <laughs> so I had to look it up in the dictionary. You might recognize it from that old hymn, Abide With Me. It goes, abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkened deepens, Lord, with me, abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, Lord, abide with me. It means to continue, to dwell, to be present in God's love. 
And it makes sense that Jesus would share this with us as he's preparing us and the world for his physical absence. He, he says these words because he doesn't want us to forget. It's like, it's like a message that you might write down in a yearbook at the end of the year. Abide with me, signed Jesus. And it sounds trite, right, when you just write it over and over again. Sounds a whole lot like, remember me, you know, next year when you get popular. Or, or like those, those people, those obnoxious people, I'm pretty sure I was one, that would take up a whole page in the back of the yearbook to write down all the tangible stories that we just don't wanna forget. Like that time Gertrude laughed so hard that she snorted out of her nose and Miss Sally had to take her out of the cafeteria. You know, those moments we just gotta remember. Jesus' parting words, they don't sound that meaningful until you wrap them in the flesh and you realize how hard it is to do what he's asking of us. Abide in my love even when the diagnosis comes back to haunt you. Abide in my love, even when the verdict comes down against you. Abide in my love, even when the patient you love and are caring for gets worse. Abide in my love, signed, Jesus. Henry Nouwen is a priest and a theologian that I might be a little bit obsessed with right now. I'm reading <laughs> a lot of Henry Nouwen. And he, he says that God's presence is not separated from God's absence. He says this, the presence of God is so much beyond the human experience of being near another that it is quite easily misperceived as absence. And the absence of God, on the other hand, it's so often deeply felt that it leads us to a new sense of God's presence. The presence of God is so beyond any human experience of being near another that it's quite easily misperceived as absence. And the absence of God, on the other hand, is often so deeply felt that it leads us to a new sense of God's presence. God's presence and absence, they touch for us, not because of who God is, but because of who we are. We define presence as hearing someone's footsteps, right? Or hearing their voice or, or feeling their touch. And Jesus is preparing us to know God's presence and the warmth that we feel from the inside out. A connection that is not, not uh, dependent on a physical presence. He prepares us to abide in his love when he is absent, and he, he demonstrates all of that for us on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross, he cries out the words of Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a prayer of abandonment, not only taking exp expression of the Israelites who feel that God is too far away from them, but it also becomes the centerpiece of our Christian faith. For feeling totally alone, abandoned by every human being, Jesus cries out to God, Abba, which means daddy. 
Why have you abandoned me? And this public declaration of God's perceived absence is the very display of God's presence. Jesus calls out to God because Jesus knows God is there. As we know, God is there even when we suffer. Now one says, where death is witness, life is affirmed. Where God's absence is most loudly expressed, God's presence is most profoundly revealed. It's when we ask that question, where is God, that God's presence becomes apparent to us. As I sit with these friends and their suffering, as I witness their pain, I know that God is present. I know that God does not endorse their suffering. I know that Jesus is is writing to each one of us, abide in my love. Abide in my love, signed Jesus. Thanks be to God. Were you there?
causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when the stone was rolled away? Let us pray together. God, we tremble. We tremble before your might, before your mystery, which we shall never fully understand. This world so often doesn't make sense. Suffering is so present within our hearts, within this community, and within this planet. In this suffering, we look to blame, we look to scapegoat when we rather should be looking to your love and embodying that love in the hopes of alleviating suffering around us, standing beside those who are oppressed and giving space for the long silence to speak their truth. God, we know that suffering exists. It just is. But today, God, we give thanks that you exist. Give thanks that you are greater, that you chose to be born as a human, that you chose to associate with us. And that over and over again, you choose to love. God, help us to do the same. Help us to do the same. And hear us now as we say together the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, the line ain't never been.
Amen. A friend of mine used to say, Dawn, you don't have to worry about preaching at downtown church. I said, why is that? They said, because you got musicians like this that just bring it home. Jesus says, abide in my love. Abide in my love, no matter what. So as you go from this time of worship, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you, and with all those you love, and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen.